Welcome to Veterinary Advice, Animal News, and Views. The place for pets and the people who love them. Here, kitty, kitty, kitty. Here are your hosts, practicing veterinarians, Dr. Roger Welton and Dr. Karen Lewis. Hello again, everybody, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of Veterinary Advice, Animal News and Views. I'm Dr. Karen Lewis, practicing veterinarian, with my friend and co-host, Dr. Roger Welton, also practicing veterinarian, and we have interesting news today. We have our first sponsor, and we let him tell us more about it because he's super pumped about it. I am very pumped about it. it. You know, it's not just having a sponsor. It's like, yay, yay, we have a sponsor, but it's it's this is so cool. Um, it's it, sponsor that we're like excited to talk about. <laughs> yeah, it's super excited. It's it's a book written by an author named Diane Mote, and it's called The Supernatural Pet Sitter: The Magic Thief, Volume One. And I love that it's a volume one. That means there's more coming. It's kind of like pets and pet sitting meets Harry Potter, and I'm a complete Harry Potter nerd, Lord of the Rings, fantasy, whatever, The Hobbit, you name it. It's right up my alley. So I'm gonna have to go out and buy this book, of course. But um, he's not kidding, by the way. No, I'm absolutely not <laughs> yeah. kidding. This, this, this sounds so cool. So I'm just going to go give you a really quick synopsis of the book. Bear with me. Trust me, it's really interesting. Every animal can talk to you. You just have to know how to listen. Pepper Neely is better at this than most, especially because she's in charge of pet sitting all the familiars in her neighborhood. A familiar is a pet magically lynch- linked to a witch or warlock. As a gnome, Pepper is no stranger to spells and sorcery. She also knows that despite her special name, familiars aren't all that different from regular animals. They get anxious when separated from their people, so Pepper uses her special gnome powers to calm them down. She watches Cranky, the high-strung ferret, Frank, the laid-back parrot, King Arthur, the elderly tortoise, and many others. Then something terrible begins happening to the familiars. Someone is stealing their magic. It not only prevents Pepper from communicating with them, but breaks their magical connection with their people. And we'll leave the rest for you to purchase this book to read to your children. I believe it is a children's book. So uh, please honor our sponsor and have a look at it. I'm buying a copy tonight. And actually, it's a children's book, but I think Harry Potter wasn't that technically children's books, too. And it's adults reading them. So (laughs) I think it could go either way. (laughs) So, you know, I I read the Harry Potters and... um, I don't know. They're they're a little above the you know. They're, they're it's kind of tough reading for kids. I gotta say, but you know, I, oh, I, really? I, I haven't read one because I'll just admit I'm a Harry Potter ignoramus. So oh, all good. Uh, you know, I can sorry. I can still like you. It's okay. <laughs> so anyway, very excited to have a sponsor. Thank you, Diane Moat. Wish you the best with your book. And tonight we are talking about a very prevalent, very prevalent, exceedingly ridiculously stupidly crazy prevalent. <laughs> topic of allergies and i i know i'm dealing with them like absolute insanity here how how are things up in your neck of the woods in st louis or Illinois? oh yeah it's it's terrible um human and pets uh we we didn't really have a winter very much and so february was warm and so we all started dealing with allergy season kind of early and um pets are itchy pets have watery eyes and runny noses you might hear me sniffing throughout the podcast. It's just <laughs> yeah. part of the part of the plan. So, and when we were talking before the show, we were even like, "Well, we need to talk about allergies because it's so prevalent." And then we both both, both kind of sat here and we're like, Ugh, "It's exhausting because we give the <laughs> allergy speech flipping like ten times a day." I feel like you know, yeah. um, just because it's but like if it's that common, we need to address it, even though. Some days I feel like pull out the string in my back and out comes the allergy speech, you know, so. That's exactly how I feel. It's so funny. You nailed it perfectly. It's like, okay. Oh, look, another skin allergy case. Licking feet excessively. Check skin, check skin, check skin, check ears. Check skin, check skin. It's like about 30% of my cases. In all honesty, I'm not even exaggerating. Maybe more. I do. I feel like I died and woke up like a dermatologist you know it's unbelievable i wish in vet school they would tell you that pretty much if you live in well anywhere besides like arizona i guess or alaska (laughs) that pretty much just do dermatology in vet school because that's going to be half of what you see i had one day this is a few years ago i'll never forget it 
I was working in a clinic. It was a really busy clinic. I was seeing appointments like a machine. And it was 4.30 before I saw a patient that had normal skin and ears. Wow. 4.30. And I was like, you get a gold star. Even the ones who, like, came in for, like, vomiting would be like, by the way, (laughs) he doesn't have hair on his belly. You know, I mean, it was just, it was ridiculous. And so that just gives you an indicator of how crazy frequent it is. So um, now we did a podcast before on food allergies, so we're not going to go down that road. This whole one is going to be about seasonal environmental. Yeah. And talk talk about pulling the string and here comes my talk, the food allergy (laughs) talk. Oh my (laughs) Lord. It's yeah. Every time I hear myself doing it, I'm just like, it's like groundhog's day. Uh, But, but we're not going to talk about food because we covered food and really the minority of cases are going to be food. Right. I mean, in, in my experience, you, you might fix allergies less than 10 percent of the time with f- the food alone. So we're looking at the vast, the greater body of cases, at least here in my great state of Florida, which is organic central. You know, there's no off season from allergies. It's just particularly bad right now because we have a lot of bloom, just like everybody else going. Mm-hmm. On. Yeah. And um, so a lot of these are something that you can't escape food you can change um environment you can't even if it's an indoor only cat i have people who are like but she doesn't go outside i'm like well you open your door it's a beautiful day you open the windows you know i mean so no one is exempt from the misery it's an equal opportunity offender look at that so anyway i mean even here we have air conditioning you know, for the most part, the the weather starts to get pretty warm. We're not opening windows here. We don't do that in Florida. You know, oh, you know, we 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 have we have air conditioning units with HEPA filters and all you know all that good stuff. And yet, all you got to do is open and close your door because it is, like you said, it is organic central. If you look at the path pathophysiology of really how it works, for the most part, it's inhalation that man it's inhalation of these things and the reactivity manifests in the skin. It's not necessarily contact hypersensitivity. That's a whole different you know, cause unto itself. You right, know, so which is another problem, but sure. yeah. Well, and actually this is interesting. Um, So when we were in vet school, we were taught when it, in our dermatology lecture. Did you have Dr. That, yes. Mm, loved her. Love her. Mm-hmm. She's actually um in our area now. I'm so excited. She's phenomenal. So anyway. Great doctor, yeah, she's great actually, woman, great educator. Loved her. And double boarded. Um, when, yeah, being board certified in one specialty just isn't enough. So when you're boarded in internal medicine and dermatology, she's kind of like my, she was our go-to lady for everything. Anyway, she was explaining that, um, so we were in vet school in the early 2000s. And I, I, I love following trends in medicine because medicine has trends just like everything else does because we're always learning new things. So she was saying how they were started, they were learning and the mentality was changing that in the 90s, everyone said all of these allergies to these dogs, these itchy feet, itchy armpits are from contact, contact with the grass, contact with the pollen, and the, you know, whatever. Uh, and then when we were in vet school, they were saying, well, no, that's not true. Atopy, which is the, me- the medical term for allergies, is basically inhaled. They're like, it's inhaled through the air and then it manifests in the skin. And now there's actually kind of a change again going back to that original (laughs) thought i'm like really that there is a contact component and i'm like well if everyone was so convinced i love how everyone tries to make everything so compartmentalized and black and white everyone said oh it's all contact and then we said no it's no contact all inhaled and now we're finally coming to our senses and saying guess what guys it's actually a little bit of both right which makes more sense you know um totally so anyway, but we've yeah, all so rolled around in grass and know how it can feel afterwards, right? Exactly. Right? <laughs> That's why I'm like when people say that's contact. No con- yeah, <laughs> and, and you're, you're breathing while you do it, but still. So, so the inhaled thing is a lot of it for especially the more the the animals who are indoor mainly, or just the cats especially, or just the animals who like might not be in a lot of grass. But um, anyway, like with the feet, I think there is a contact component. But a lot of people say, well, I want to wipe my dog's feet after he's in the grass. And that's a great idea, but your dog can't hold his breath, you know, so there's still the whole <laughs> inhaled thing that kind of manifests through their skin. So anyway, that's my little story of allergy treatment, <laughs> more than you wanted to know. Well, that's that's exactly, I mean, that, yeah, I think you nailed it. That's exactly been the trend, right? And and you see these little trends in all facets of medicine. You know, we talked about knees, like, oh, yeah, uh, kind of beat that one to death. But, you know, what's trendy and what's what's the cool thing to do right now? And it always changes. 
you know, and, and, and it, it's no different with skin. But, but one thing that is consistent with skin is it never goes away. It's just a constant influx of cases and often it's the same cases over and over and yes. over and over again. Because you, let's, let's be realistic. You're really, you're not going to cure allergies. You're going to, you're going to manage them at best. Right. And, and yeah. Sometimes you manage them better than other times. <laughs> Intensely. Well, and, and you're just keeping it at bay. And I have people with these really, oh my god, these bulldogs, these pit bulls, these horrible itchy skin. When they're young and they start out horribly itchy and miserable, and we're going to be doing this every year, sometimes year round. I tell them, like, guys, this is more expensive than like when your dog gets older and gets cancer and has chemo. Okay, you'll spend more on this BS, yeah. <laughs> which is not rewarding because yeah. you, like you said, you never fix it. It's so funny. So my mother has even listened to me over the years just talk about different cases or whatever. And she was uh, walking her dog and ran into a lady who was talking about how itchy her dog is. And I heard her give the allergy speech. I was like, oh, Jesus. Now even other people can give my allergy speech. Because she was like, you know, you never fully cure it. You just treat it and manage it. I'm like, wow. So see, it's possible. But it's really frustrating, though, because some people, I've actually had dogs I've put to sleep. They have other issues, too. But people are like, this lifetime of battling the skin and that we feel like we never get ahead of it. You know, I mean, we're just like constantly battling and it's exhausting because you never win. You're never done. You can't ever hang up. Heck chemo. You can even be freaking done and be like, yep, chemo's done, you know, and, but allergies, it's just like, it is exhausting. I think it's a good word for it. It, It's exhausting. I mean, it, and you know, it's exhausting for the, for the veterinarians as much as it is for the owner. (laughs) Because, yes. because you know what you know, so the the cynic can sit back and say, "Well, what are you what are you complaining about? You have a constant influx of customers, right?" And and but 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 we don't look at it that way. When, the way veterinarians look at it, or most of us look at it, is you know, <clears throat> my job is to make your dog better, you make your cat better. And when I'm unable to do that, I feel like I want to bang my head against the wall because I feel like I'm failing, even though I understand the complexities. And the frustrations of dealing with this because it is so challenging, you can't help but you know feel bad about it. You know, it's just we're very sensitive, emotional creatures. I think that's why you know we become veterinarians in the first place, and we just in, internalize everything. And allergies are frustrating. You can hear the frustration in my voice. I, li- I live in Florida, so like I mean, the, the allergy situation is just out of control right now. Um, so I mean, let's talk about. So let's talk about you know basically typical presentations and let's talk about you know what options there are out there pros and cons yeah there's a lot of options so um so the presentation i love is when i get a second or third opinion and i get the records from the other the previous vets who have seen it and the people come in and they say the last vet or two you know they didn't have a clue what they were doing they didn't know what it was and they you know we did all this medicine and he's still not fixed and i'm looking at the medical record going that doctor did nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just he's not, and you don't fix them. So, um, and so they come in like, what, what me to have this magic, you know, because last two vets didn't know what they were doing. And they said they had no idea what it possibly could be. I'm like, and so I'll just lay it down the law and say, okay, here's the deal. This no one is going to fix this, and you can hop vet to vet to vet. And if you find someone who lies to you and says they can fix it, you might like them for a little bit, but you're not going to like them long term. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I can tell you exactly what's causing it. It's seasonal allergies. And I can also tell you exactly that I do not know which species of grass is causing it. So, you know, but and so that I think just that bluntness gets them to be like, oh, <laughs> you know, like so it usually comes in. Let's talk about presentation. Um, itchy feet is a common one. Ear infections, um, itchy armpits, itchy sides. I get a lot of um, itchy flanks and tr- like sides of their chest. Do you get that, too? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And those are usually the ones that don't have any skin lesions, like the feet, the belly, the armpits. Those are the ones you can spot from like across the room, you know, mm-hmm. that, okay, you're not. But the ones who are itching their sides and their tr- and their trunk, I'll look. I'm like, yeah, it's not, not a little, really like red or infected like the rest of the body gets. Right. So I think it's maybe that area can be a little bit more resilient from a tissue perspective. Versus the feet, like the, the interdigital, the, the that sensitive webbing. It's in a the fold. Feet. Yeah, it could be it could be very sensitive, and uh, I, I think that might be the difference. That that skin's just a little bit more resilient yeah. to the self trauma and the inflammation. But the other the other thing we commonly see though is when there are lesions, 
there's really three main presentations when we're talking about a secondary infection. There is the pustule, which is pretty common with people. They look like pimples, and they're pretty easy to identify. There's the papule, which is a little red bump of varying size. could be as small as a pinhead, could be you know, maybe a few millimeters in diameter. And then there's the macule, which is just a big old papule. could be as large as my diameter of my hand. Um, and it was big, big red raised area. And those are going to indicate what's called bacteria folliculitis, which is infection of the hair follicles, specifically secondary, of course. And it's almost always what? Yeah. Staphylococcus. Yes. Staph infection. <laughs> right. So, and hopefully it's not staph pseudo intermediates because those are bad. That would be the canine version of, uh, MRSA, which is uh, methicillin-resistant Staph aureus, which we know is muy, muy bad. But luckily, we don't we don't see too much of that. So let's focus on run-of-the-mill Staph infection. Uh, usually sensitive to inexpensive antibiotics, which is great, but they can't live their lives on antibiotics, can they, Dr. Karen? Mm-mm. I have some people who want them to, though. But I yeah, want um, them too. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and it's funny because you say it's staph, and people are like, "Oh my god, it's staph!" And I'm like, "No, we everybody. There's like a thousand flavors of staph. Okay, it, it's fine." Um, but because you hear staph in the media, and they always butcher the science. But anyway, um, so I, another presentation I see a lot is something called the epidermal colorette, and that is the Ooh, um, another classic staph lesion. Um, which is, it's a round circle. Some people think it's ringworm. And they'll go, yeah, yeah, and they're like, oh, it's ringworm. And I can always say, no, it's staph and, you know, same thing. So you treat them with, there's a lot of antibiotics, like you said, that are inexpensive, thankfully, because there's usually big dogs doing cephalexin, works great. Clavamox, you can do, works great. Um, Those are my two main choices. Yeah, like you. I'm a cephalexin guy because. Yeah. I'll usually start with an injection of um, Ceftiflex, which is um, Ceftazidime. Um, basically, anything with Ceph in it indicates yeah. that it's a cephalosporin, which means it has great activity against Staphylococcus bacteria. And so start them off with a shot, and I can write them as prescription for the Cephalexin. There's a, a local uh, grocery, cha- grocery store chain here that actually gives that antibiotic away. They give it away. Really? Yeah. We had one that used to do that, mm-hmm. and then they quit because all the allergic dogs, I guess, were putting them out of business. I don't know. Yeah. So it lasted about six months, and then they were like, no, no, you're going to pay for your gallon of cephalexin. So, um, your gallon. <laughs> <laughs> which is what it feels like. So anyway, yeah. And so maybe you should treat these guys for, you know, three, four weeks. This isn't a, you know, a week of antibiotics. Have a nice day. So because um, these can take a while. So. Uh, another way we can treat, uh, if it's a different kind of infection, let's talk about the other kind of infection, and that's yeast. Because bacteria is one kind, yeast is another, and yeast loves to live in that webbing between the feet like we were talking about. You know, that's a great place for it. Um, skin folds under the neck, I get a lot of yeast there, you know, because it's a nice fold and it's warm and it's moist. So And around uh, the lady parts. Oh, yes. Um yeah, so and your vet can do a microscope slide. It takes ten minutes, not even. Um, just you know, squish a slide on the skin. I actually use. I don't know if you do this, Doctor Roger. I use double stick tape mm-hmm. for my skin cytology, yeah. um, and I um, press it on there. It's very low tech. It works great. And I look in the slide, and I'm like, do I have bacteria, yeast, or both? And so if it's yeast, you know, we'll do either an oral anti yeast. Um, I like the topicals a lot. And actually, this speaking of trends. Another trend now, so it used to be 10 years ago we were told cephalexin, 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 everybody, for all their bacterial woes with allergies. And now, with the concern of resistance developing, we're moving less toward, less on the oral antibiotics and more towards topicals. Um, topical chlorhexidine shampoos and mousses and rinses have actually been shown in clinical studies to be just as effective as oral cephalexin. Yeah, Labor-intensive. Like- but <laughs> so I sat through a dermatology lecture actually recently and the dermatologist actually is Dr. Angus. I don't know if he was still there. Oh yeah. yeah. He was, he was, he was my resident when I was there at Illinois. Yeah. Um, he was, he was 30 year resident. Great guy. Loves skin. Brilliant, brilliant speaker. He was at a uh, North American vet conference. I sat through one of his, one of his lectures and he said, you know, the wonderful thing about skin is that, you know, if you have a bladder infection, 
if you have a stomach infection, if you have any internal infection, you can't touch it, right? You got to give oral antibiotics and the blood, the bloodstream has to deliver the antibiotics to it. But because skin, think of it as kind of like a car. You can scrub it. You can't scrub a bladder, yeah. right? <laughs> but you can scrub That'd skin. Be weird. Yeah, it would be weird. You can scrub <laughs> it. I mean, with the, with the exception of the eyes. You know, and some other small exceptions, but for the most part, you can you can you can scrub it, um, and, and that's a very very good point. Yeah, and um, a lot of these, the uh, the medicated shampoos with the antibacterial in them, I love them for yeast because oral anti yeast pills can be kind of hard on the liver, and a topical has no side effects at all. So anything with yeast that is bathable at all. I have people bathing and you're also, yes, you're medicating with the antibacterial, antifungal medication in the shampoo, but you're also kind of getting the crap off, which is a very medical, you know, but, you know, but um, getting the oil and, you know, everything that's kind of stuck there off, which is wonderful. Um, dogs who can't be bathed. I see a lot of those. They're just huge. They can't stand in a tub, whatever. There's a lot of mousses and sprays out there now, which work Really well. I've got a 100-pound dog that I see. She's paralyzed from the waist down. She was a back dog. And um, the owners do amazing with her. Anyway, she gets skin fold infections. They can't bathe her. They can't hold her up in a tub. And, you know, she's a 100-pound back dog. But um, we have a chlorhexidine ketoconazole mix spray that they use. Her skin is perfect. That's all it takes. So uh, don't discount topicals. Now, if your groomer says, oh, I have an oatmeal shampoo that's going to fix it, that is not going to fix it. Okay, this needs to be a prescription with, like, actual medication in it, shampoo. They also love oatmeal tea, shampoo. tea tree oil fixes everything. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, like, if you have a dog with healthy skin and you want to do it, like, as a preventative thing, the oatmeal, perfect. But if you have a dog with, like, actual ouchy skin, we, we need the, the hardcore stuff. So I've become more of a fan of uh, bathing now because – we do worry about bacterial resistance in these dogs. So if we can avoid cephalexin, why not? Yeah. And I, I did bring up, you know, uh, methicillin resistant staph pseudo intermediates or MRSP. And really that's that the, the main reason that's becoming more and more prevalent, which look, thankfully it's still very rare. I don't want to scare the crap out of everybody, but you know um, it, it's, it's still quite rare, but, but, but it's really, it's all these antibiotics we're throwing at these pets that mm-hmm. um you know whether it's simplicef with another cef, another cef um or cephalaxid if you abuse them you know eventually this could happen you know you could you could end up getting this resistance so um i i, I agree with you wholeheartedly i'm a big fan of the topical shampoos and i love the ones with the uh, phytosphingosine in them oh yeah you just wanted to say phytosphingosine i did can you can you, can you elaborate <laughs> on that since since I, I don't know if i could pronounce it twice Oh, <laughs> so um, basically, so we're also learning that a lot of the part of allergies that, how am I doing? I'm going to say this. Wow. Um, so your skin is meant to be a barrier. and Think of it as a smooth armor with no chinks and skin with allergies has chinks, basically. Okay. There's divots and holes and damage in the skin, which these little nooks and crannies can actually let bacteria and yeast in and that's how we get these secondary infections so what a phytosphingosine does is it actually helps that barrier of the skin maintain itself so it kind of restores that outer layer which is going to protect it from pollen as well as the bacteria and yeast that normally live on the skin and are okay but they get in these little nooks and crannies or the chinks in the armor and that's where they get set up and become a secondary infection so yeah uh, phytosphingosine is in a lot um ceramides are another one that we get in a lot of shampoos to again kind of help uh, the big phrase now is restore the lipid barrier you might see that in advertisement and uh, it, there's truth in that actually so that's kind of what that goes for too i actually have shampoos that are just phytosphingosine mm-hmm. or just ceramides and no other antibacterial it's just a skin strengthener yeah, well, once, and, and once you clear the infection, that that's great because you're just mm-hmm. maintaining the health. You're not necessarily, you know, hammering away with antimicrobials, which I guess really there's I, there, there's no no long term harm to that that I'm aware of. I mean, I do have some uh, some some patients that do live on like ketochlor or ketoseb shampoos mm-hmm. that have phytosphingosine, and if they go off them, they they get infections. You know, you know so yeah. But definitely a focus on the topical is it seems to be the trend where we're headed. And I do like that trend. And, um, 
you know, I'm not shy about antibiotics, especially if there's like a deep-seated infection. We can see what's called pyoderma, where you actually have like pus pockets, and those are actually physically painful for the dog. They're beyond itchy. They're terrible. Um, and we, I keep saying dog a lot because I guess we don't see the same commonness uh, <laughs> of, right. of allergies in cats. It does apply to cats. I do see allergic cats, just not to the same degree as dogs. It seems like dogs really got the monopoly on that one for the most part. Yeah, they do. <clears throat> and um, especially certain breeds. So so let's talk about, so you talk about the secondary infections and addressing those. Let's talk about the itch. Because yeah. there's a lot of things we can do for the itch. And well, the first thing you can do for the itch is treat the infection. Okay, because the infection itches. So if we ignore the infection and just treat the itch, we're not going to be getting anywhere. But the the old standby is prednisone. And uh, I don't know if you've ever heard Dr. Scott at Cornell talk. He's a he's a dermatologist at Cornell. He usually lectures in his Grateful Dead t-shirts. Nice. He's yeah, he's a hoot. And um, he says, "Welcome to dermatology, where the prednisone flows like fine wine." <laughs> and it's so true <laughs> because oh, yeah. um, there's a lot of other options now. But pre- there's nothing wrong with prednisone. So let's actually to talk about fads or trends in veterinary medicine. You know, in the 80s and 90s, prednisone was pretty much all we had, and it did flow like fine wine. We went to vet school during the era of, oh, my God, you, you prednisone is a last resort, and it, it has all these side effects. It's going to do all these bad things, and you really, really shouldn't give it. And then now we give it out like candy. So there was a brief time where the fad was to kind of avoid it. I don't know why. I mean, well, I know why. I mean, because long term it can have bad side effects. But you know what? Prednisone for a couple of weeks is flipping amazing. It so. is. Ask, ask a lot of people that are on it just for a few weeks. My wife was on it for three months. She had a particular condition. She had to be on prednisone. I basically had a new house by the end of it. She remodeled the house. <laughs> she, re, you know, she repainted the tables and, you know, I'm just like, she goes, I just can't stop, you know, and <laughs> it was amazing. Nothing hurt, you know, and then at some point she started to get over it because she had trouble sleeping, things like that. But you know, that's yeah. three months, but we're talking a two to three week tapering course. No big deal. And if there's, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll know. be on prednisone because I have this weird thing. I'll be sitting in a, I'm sitting in a veterinary lecture. It's so embarrassing. This is, that's happened to me last year. And I'm crazy allergic to house dust mites and a couple other things. I'm sitting there in the front row and my eyes start swelling shut. And my face is red. I think I got punched in the eyes. And the lecturer keeps looking at me. I'm holding my Coke can up to my eyes trying to like, it's cold to keep them open, you know. And uh, three days of prednisone and I'm gold. You know, and I was, we actually were like, does anyone in the room have prednisone? Because this woman's eyes are, I had to leave because I had to be able to see to drive home. Nice. So, yeah, <laughs> so stupid. So anyway, um, TMI. But, uh, but yeah, so prednisone is wonderful. But like I said, these dogs are like allergy, allergy all the time. We can't have them living on prednisone. Well, so, so some do if people can't afford the other options. Right. Or the other options are not effective enough, and we can get to a few of those as well. Well, and and the thing is, if we do those, we're always trying to find the lowest dose we can get away with. Sure. You know, we're not just like, here's your whopping dose, stay on it, you mm-hmm. know. And most owners get really good, actually, at finding a, like a pretty low dose. To, like, I give this on Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday, and it works. And I'm like, dude, mm-hmm. go with it, you know. So I do find owners can be quite savvy with that oh, minimum amazing. effective dosing and frequency. They just experiment and experiment until they get yeah. it just right. And it's something I would never have come up with on my own. I'm like, Tuesday, Friday, Sunday. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Works so, for me. Yeah. Uh, one of the ones that I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a fan of, so there are some dogs, mine being one of them, goes on prednisone, cannot hold his urine. <laughs> and because he drinks and drinks and drinks and drinks, and he'll just stand there looking at me, and the urine's pouring out. And so there's a severe... Um, drinking and urinating effect we call that PUPD and PUPD can be a severe problem in some dogs and there's some of those female dogs that have urinary incontinence that if you put them on prednisone that whatever regimen you're using to control the incontinence gets overruled by the prednisone and so anyway there are some patients that don't do great with it um, and some you'll actually see occasionally some behavioral changes that's not that common thankfully but in those cases I'm a fan of Temeral P that's P. an oldie but goodie. It's an oldie but oh, it is old school. Uh, <laughs> predates us big time. But Tamarol P is a combination of trimeprazine, which is an antihistamine, which 
by and large, from a general standpoint, are virtually useless. We try them, but they don't really work. But but why not try it? There is one that does work, though. We'll, I'll touch on that. We'll, we'll touch on that in a little bit. But anyway, trimeprazine, what makes the Temeril P unique is that there is a little bit of prednisone in there. So you're effectively re- reducing the dose of prednisone by 75% because it does have a synergistic effect with the antihistamine. It makes the antihistamine better. The antihistamine makes the prednisone better so that you're using less of it. And so I'll, I'll break that out occasionally, too. Yeah, and I have some people who swear by I Personally, I don't even stock Temeril P. Uh, just a lot of clinics I work at do, and I'll use it when I'm there. But um, it's it's not cheap. No. And if you have a big dog, uh, it, it can be really pricey. And so I'm like, well, for these big dogs, I'd rather bust out uh, either the prednisone or for the, the cheap option. Or Apoquel is a new one that um, came out huh, what came out about four years ago. And everyone loved it. It uh, stops the itch as well. Basically, it stops the itch as well as prednisone without the side effects of prednisone. So what's not to love, right? Well, uh, when it first came out, everybody loved it. And then the company, I don't know what did, what they did wrong, but they couldn't make the stuff. They would maybe give you one bottle every six months, and that's all you had to do. And so you have all these people who were started on it, and they loved it. And now we're like, oh, we can't get it. Sorry. So it basically just um, about a few months ago became routinely available across the country to everyone regularly now. So I had a handful of clients on it, but I wasn't starting any patients on it because there's nothing more frustrating than saying, hey, here's this drug. It works great. (laughs) I can't get it. Just kidding. You know, so um, do you carry that in your practice now that we can get it? Yeah, actually, we've we've been consistently dosing it. I think it's been about a year now that it's okay. Yeah, we went through the same frustration where... You know, they, you had your, your monthly allocation, which was this little piddlings of apple. Yes. <laughs> you know, um, and, and, you know, and, and here's what was really frustrating. <clears throat> I actually resorted to referring out to dermatologists because they were prioritizing the supply of apple to dermatologists mm-hmm. before general practitioners. Which so I would makes actually, sense. I would actually say to the uh, clients, listen, I can't get this right now. Pay the $200 consultation for the dermatologist up the road. And she can get it for you. And then even she started to run out of it. <laughs> so, oh, God. Well, because yeah. everybody's going there. Yeah. yeah. So. You know, just pay the 200 bucks. It's worth it. You can get it there. But now we can all get it. So Apical is unique. Um, it blocks a biochemical messenger, immune messenger, known as an interleukin. And essentially, it is the biochemical messenger involved with the sensation or what causes the sensation of itch. So... That is the one limitation of the product. Not every allergy case has a major, major, major itch component. There might be a small itch component. I've had some failures of treatment, but if there's a lot of itch, and itch is one of your primary presenting complaints, absolutely magical stuff. That is an actual wave of the wand, and dog is wonderful. Yeah. You know. But I will say an itch is different from inflammation. Uh, because inflammation is you know, redness, maybe, and, and inflammation is different from infection. So there's a lot of different components to allergies here, because people are like, well, my allergic, my dog's allergic, of course he itches. But is he itching from infection? Then you have to treat the infection. You know what I mean? So it, it gets complicated. But, you know, I have a couple dogs doing fantastic on it. So um, another, when the Apoquel we couldn't get, one that I used a lot, um, which is really expensive, um, and it's actually an immune suppressant <laughs> is uh, Atopica. And uh, it works great. It um, it actually, it's cyclosporine, which uh, people can take for a variety of um, autoimmune diseases because it literally suppresses the immune system. Well, what are allergies? But basically an overactive immune system. So it's not a big mental leap. Um, Atopica, we're talking like 200, 300 bucks a month for a big dog. I mean, it, it you will weep. <laughs> okay. So, um, but if it works for your dog, you're like, oh my gosh, this is kind of worth it. But, uh, it's got a funky side effect. Have you seen, um, have you seen much of it, Dr. Roger, in your practice? Uh, so the, the one, f- I'm not sure you're referring to the same one. We actually did, we, we came up with this topic like off the cuff tonight. So yeah, <laughs> not, not, not a ton of preparation here, but I have seen them develop papillomas around the mouth. Yep. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've seen it only twice. Really, and, I, I had and a I dispense a lot of it. So, oh, really? Yeah. But I, I've had a few of them, and basically, it's like this overgrowth of the gums that they get. And here's the wicked thing: you stop the atopica, and the gums shrink back. Mm. It's so 
weird. Oh, you're talking about gingival hyperplasia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have I, I have seen a couple cases of that, but the papilloma. So. Oh I'm, yeah. Oh yeah. I haven't seen those. Those would not be fun. Yeah. So 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 it's a canine papilloma virus. Most dogs have been exposed to it in their lives, just like most of us have been exposed to papillomavirus. I believe what it's like 60% of us have been exposed to some kind of papillomavirus in our lives. Well, mm-hmm. with, with the immune suppressive activity of the atopica, it can sometimes allow that latent infection to manifest. But I believe it's self-limiting. I've, I've not seen it last for more than two months. So it'll just – all of a sudden I get this call and, it's, again, it only happened two or three times, but – my dog's covered in warts. <laughs> it's oh, always, and it's around the mouth, yeah. so it's hideous. They got these pieces of cauliflower all around the mouth. <laughs> say, oh, yeah, that's the atopica. Just don't worry. It's going to go away. But it can look kind of gross for a little bit. But, yeah, the, the thick gums that you actually have to stop the atopica or that will not go away. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, as long as it's not causing problems, people are like, whatever, whatever they have, funky-looking gums or an itchy, miserable dog, you know. And so then you kind of have to triage out your what what's worth it, yeah. you know. So, it gets uh so atopic it gets is, it's not itch dependent that treats all manner of allergy because that yeah. is dealing directly with the out of control immune system to block it uh where you know whereas apical is very itch sensitive and then another long term i th- i've found of the whole in the world of useless antihistamines there is one that is somewhat useful i've had a lot of success with zyrtec actually well, you know, um, so I was talking about my personal skin issues with my eyes swelling shut and my hives and everything. Mm. In humans, Zyrtec is the antihistamine of choice for hives. Oh. So it's not a mental leap to think, well, dogs' allergies manifest in the skin. So that, it's, that Zyrtec would work well with dogs, too. And, yeah, I have I have a lot of dogs on Benadryl with kind of eh, results. Uh, I do Zyrtec more. I, I like hydroxazine. I don't know if you use that much. I have. It's our allergy cases tend to like laugh at it. It's just, Oh, I find it I've, about I've got a couple useful. of dogs on hydroxazine that yeah. like the Zyrtec wasn't cutting anymore. And so, but yeah, so, but antihistamines are generally safe. Um, make sure there's not a decongestant in them, please. Oh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but what I tell people is, you know what, if you want to try it, what have you got to lose? Nothing. They're cheap. They're safe. Yep. Now, if your dog is already, here's what I, here's my part of my allergy speech. But if your dog is already itching, the antihistamine ship has sailed. Okay. What you need to do is, if you know your dog, every March gets itchy. In February, you start the antihistamines because they need to kind of build up in their system to be ready to greet the allergies when they come to attack the dog. If the dog's already itchy, they don't play catch up very well. Now, prednisone can help them play catch-up, I've learned. They're kind of a good team that way. And I'll put a dog on prednisone and antihistamines, and then after we taper the prednisone, maybe keep the antihistamines and see how lucky we get, you yeah, know? I love that, too. Um, yeah, you, you use them concurrently, wean off the prednisone, yeah. and try to go long-term with the antihistamine. Yeah, So, and I have some dogs who do great, and some people aren't sure. And, you know, again, you got nothing to lose, so why not? Agreed on that. And the worst that can happen is it doesn't work. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> there's one other long-term solution that neither of us has touched so far. We might as well bring it up. It's out there. I'm not a fan, but there is allergy testing and immunotherapy. Oh, yeah. Actually, I have a couple dogs who did well on that. I'm glad you have, too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really expensive is the first downfall. It's still cheaper than Atopica, though. Oh, God, yeah, anything's cheaper than Atopica. But, um, <laughs> unless you're a Chihuahua, then Atopica's great. Right. But, um, but yeah, so no, I actually, well, and a lot of the specialists, if, oh my God, if you want to see dermatology specialists fight, put them in a room and ask them which uh, allergy blood testing lab is the best. Because oh, that's funny. It is funny. <laughs> They're like, VARL, Heska, Greer, blah, and it's like... <laughs> I, I don't I just asked a question I'm really sorry don't kill me so um I use VARL I don't know why but um I don't have any allegiance to them but basically you know you draw the blood send it to the lab um they find out which species of house dust mite and which species of grass they're allergic to and they basically custom make um, either injections or a sublingual of drop you put in their mouth. Kind of like people in allergy shots, basically. We're actually injecting the allergen into the dog and getting them to learn to live in peace and harmony with it. So do you do, even do it, Roger, or do you, do you just not even bother? <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> You're I, smirking, so... <laughs> I, I, I offer it. 
and say, listen, it's a legitimate option. How often does it work? Ah, flip of a coin. And all that, that's the flip of a coin. And, and what's disappointing is the flip of a coin where it is working. It's working tepidly. And I'm still giving, you know, a Kenalog injection every now and then to, you know, give a, yeah. to, 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 to quell these flare ups that they're still going to get. Um, they spend a lot of money. They put in a lot of effort. The dermatologists advise not giving up on it for an entire year. Mm-hmm. So you can go through a year of giving your pet shots and spending a bloody fortune all for nothing. <laughs> Although, but now they used to be only shots, and now they do have the um, liquid yes. you can put in their mouth, which is a lot better. But but no, because I tell people, um, I don't know, I, I'd say it's about 70% effective. The blood test is around 200. The first set of shots, drops, whatever is 200. So 400 bucks for basically a one in four chance, you might be out 400 bucks and have a dog who is completely unaffected by it. So, because I think about 25% of dogs, it does nothing. 25% of dogs, it does a little bit and 50, it does moderate. It doesn't fix. Nothing's a fix. I mean, there's nobody who's like, oh, I'm on the immunotherapy now and I never need prednisone again, you know? (laughs) Um, But I think it, in in my experience, um, it's made them less, less extreme in terms of their flare ups. (laughs) They still get them, but they're less awful. So. Yeah, and it's just not good enough, you know. Um, especially the, the amount of money you're owner. spending. Yeah, yeah it, it's just, and let me ask you this: Do you know are there any dermatologists in your area that are still doing instead of the blood testing, they're doing the it, it, the intra intradermal? Actually, um, the one in our so we have so I know two Dr. in Campbell our area in school. Yes, that and was, actually, that it, was the it's gold still standard. considered the gold. It's still the gold standard, and a lot of the dermatologists don't don't like the blood test. They want to do the intradermal. Um, although, you, if the owner doesn't want to, they'll do the blood test. You know, it's kind of up to the owner. Can you elaborate on that, the uh, the skin test? Oh, yeah. So um, it's called the intradermal skin test, which basically is just what it sounds. Um, they do them in people, too. I have actually had it done on me. It was terrible. I would never do it to my dog if you're having it done on me. <laughs> so basically, I'm not going to – the whole eye swelling shut thing, it's been a long road I've been down. So anyway, um, but yeah, so they um, – on a dog, they shave their side. We're talking like a – foot by like a square foot okay we're not talking a little thing here and basically you get a marker and you number all these little dots all nice little rows kind of like you're playing battleship and then they inject different allergens into these spots and then you wait i forget what it is 15 30 minutes and then see which ones get a wheel which is a w-h-e-a-l not w-h-e-e-l and um and it's this red, itchy, swelling thing, and that means they're allergic to that. So that's the gold standard because it's injected into the skin. The skin is where the symptoms are. Um, but first of all, you have to dog who's willing to lay there and get 50 little injections. Um, they cannot be on antihistamines or prednisone for, I forget how long, but like weeks That applies this. to the blood test, too. It's two months. Actually, some of them, no, not anymore. Um, one of the blood tests I do, they can be on prednisone and antihistamines day of, even. Wow. Which is amazing. Yeah, which is why I do that more than the – because most people are like, I cannot give up these drugs for – I had to – when I had my human intradermal skin testing done, it was two weeks of no antihistamines. And on day 10, my eyes were swelling shut. I was like, guys, I don't care. Do this. I I can't drive. My eyes are swollen shut. I mean, this is ridiculous. Um, And they did it to me, and um, they had – well, first they do a preliminary one where they poke you in the back with all these crazy things. And then um, the actual injections were just like a dog. I had one girl on each arm, poke, poke, poke as fast as they could with all these different little things. And I was like, this must be what getting a tattoo is like, what I thought, but a very ugly one. So, um, And then they read them. And, yeah, so it is the gold standard. Now, the thing is, it's not for diagnosing if your dog has allergies. It's more for narrowing it down, what is it allergic to? Yeah, and then customizing, if you want to do allergy shots, customizing the um, different allergens you put in the shot that then you put into the dog. So, Yeah, and it's basically the it's desensitization, and I, I think I'm kind of a living example of it. I never had shots, but I used to actually be somewhat allergic to cats. And uh, I, I would touch a cat, touch my face, and be sneezing like crazy. I remember I had my first veterinary job, and everybody was making fun of me. I was in college. They're like, you're going to have a hard time in this industry. Yeah. And, and as I kept working there, I didn't even realize it, but it went away. And then I adopted a cat. cat slept <laughs> on my pillow. It didn't even occur to me. I'm like, hey, wait a second. I'm not allergic to cats anymore. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> you know, it just went away. I had desensitized. I, I had my allergy shots by being at work every day. <clears throat> huh. Well, yeah, I mean, 
there's something to that. I'll take it. Yeah, definitely. So, but it's it's an option, but uh, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, and there's one more that uh, we talked about a little bit before we started the show, which I know you're not all that familiar with. It's really, really new. It's called Cytopoint. It's an injection um, that is not a steroid, not a drug. It's actually an antibody. And um, it's really new, and I'm going to be honest, I don't know all the ins and outs of it, but I do know that it's by being an antibody, which is part of your immune system, it then binds to the other antibodies in your immune system or your dog's immune system, which are overreacting to the allergens and therefore stops the allergic reaction. So um, it's available from your veterinarian, possibly, like I said, it's new. Some vets don't carry it yet. Uh, one of the places I I work at does, and um, it's about 60 to 100 bucks a shot last a month um again does the thing for infection you might still need your your shampoo your rinses your cephalexin you know whatever it is you're going to need but uh there's no side effects because it's it's antibodies you know there's no drinking and peeing and anything like that so the uh, handful of patients i've done it on have been happy but it's by handful i mean two so <laughs> it's real, it's, it's new. So, but just so you know that that is an option that I think as time goes on might become more available and more popular. It seems very promising and we're certainly taking a look at carrying it. I believe Zoetis, the company that makes it will be coming into my office shortly to do a lunch and learn about it and um, go through all the clinical data and all that. They, a lunch and learn is when a pharmaceutical rep comes in and buys everybody lunch and, for 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 the price of lunch, you are you give them an hour of your time, and they introduce new products and tell you about it. Um, it's definitely not the Hawaii vacations that people think they take us on. Yeah, um, but it's nice to get a little lunch every now and then and learn about new products. So yeah, well, I, I want more learn about the products, but and just um and a little bit of industry gossip. Um, Zoetis, who makes the Cytopoint, is also who makes the Apoquel, yes. the ones who abysmally dropped the ball on the um, making of Apicol. And so now when this drug came out, I'm like, sorry, going to screw this one up too and not be able to make it for two years after you start us yeah. all on it. And the sales rep didn't think that was funny, by the way. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he hears it every day. Yeah, I actually, um, they, so that was such a blunder because do you know they spent $3 million on the launch of that product, Apoquil, at NAVC, actually? at the bit That was the big unmasking of the clinical trials and the next thing coming for allergies. And then they're like, oh, sorry, can't make it fast enough. <laughs> I know. Think about that. Oh, my goodness. Grandma's making it in her kitchen and she can't step it up. I That's kind of what they were right? doing. <laughs> I can't even imagine how many people got fired over that. Somebody. Oh, I hope heads roll because it was horrible. I mean, it was... Yeah, I, I, I don't know how many millions it had to have cost them, but <laughs> but now that they have it, we're like, oh, we're still okay. And they'd always, for two years, they strung us along and said, oh, like in January, they'd be like, okay, it'll be available in March. Yeah. Well, and then, no, it'll be available in July. Well, it'll yeah. be available in the fall. Then they'd be vague and say, next year. Next you year. Know? And yeah. then it's got more and more vague, and you just gave up. I told them to stop so. calling. I'm like, don't even zip, zip, zip it. <laughs> Until I have a crate load in my lobby. Yes. I don't believe you. Don't believe you. But it is available. So that that it's it's been so for for a while now. But I think we pretty much got everybody well prepared for allergy season, didn't we? Yeah, is, we this, all their options. This, so. this, this, this is the beginning of it, folks. It only gets worse from here. <laughs> so whatever you're experiencing, it's only going to get worse. Um, you know, it, 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 it's a relevant thing, and you know, again, it's. It's really actually, as much as I thought, okay, this is an important topic we need to discuss. I thought it was going to bore me to tears, but you made it fun. I actually, yeah, I had fun. Like, this is like, usually allergies, I'm serious, like, just get, just give me a gun, I'll shoot myself, because it's just so, and, um, but this was actually enjoyable, because, it well, it's always kind of venting, you know, we're like, ugh. And the thing is, when you're telling a client how that allergies suck, you're basically ruining their day, because... And you, as you probably know from listening to me no long enough now, I'm a kind of a laid on the table kind of person. So I'm like, look, your life sucks and here's why. You know? <laughs> and I'm just like, Wah. And so if they're still talking to me after that, they usually end up thanking me because they're like, well, the funny, the funny thing is then I look good because when I fix it and things aren't as horrible as I prepared them for, they're like, wow, 
he still has skin. You told me to all fall off in flames, yeah. you know? And I'm like, see? Well, he looked like an elephant. I'm a hero. Point. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, well, I you gotta you gotta set up the expectations. It's it's because it, it's a reality, and I, I do I do the same thing. I just say, you know, this this can go one of two ways here. We're one and done, and I don't see you again until ne- this time next year. Mm-hmm. Or this that's could, the best case scenario. Yeah, yeah, best case scenario. Maybe we visit this a few times a year, but I will tell you this: I cannot cure this. I can manage it, and the degree to which I manage it will depend <laughs> on your dog and his own individual genetics and how sensitive he really is. So. Uh, same thing. Got to set up the, the right expectations. So, um, at any rate, lovely to talk to you again. We actually managed to get together within, what, uh, 11 days of the last episode. Yeah. And I'm sorry, guys. I was sick as a, well, that phrase, sick as a dog, sick as an allergic dog um, <laughs> last week. Yeah. Let me tell you, when I go to bed at 6 p.m., there's something very mm. wrong. So, <laughs> I'm back. We're good. Yes, hopefully, 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 I remain healthy here. So, <laughs> I know we're jinxed, but definitely nice, nice to keep in touch. And very important episode. Any final parting thoughts, there, young lady? Um, no, and actually, guys, if you have any other uh, topics you'd like us to cover, let us know. Because today we were kind of like, what should we talk about? Oh, it's allergy season. But um, there's really nothing huge on our schedule in terms of what we're going to discuss next. So, if anybody has any questions or burning topics, email and. Tell us, and we'll try to try to cover it. Yes, comments at web-dvm.net. Comments at web-dvm.net. Give us suggestions. We have done episodes based on peop- listener suggestions. Some some people are requesting some great stuff. So, yeah, thank you for bringing that up. Well, happy allergy season, everybody. <laughs> Yay. You have yourselves a wonderful evening. Thank you for listening. Thanks, guys. Introducing Carvana Value Tracker, where you can track your car's value over time and learn what's driving it. It might make you excited. Whoa, didn't know my car was valued this high. It might make you nervous. Uh Uh-oh, market's flooded. My car's value just dipped 2.3%. It might make you optimistic. Our low mileage is paying off. Our value's up. And it might make you realistic. Mm, Car prices haven't gone up in a couple weeks. Maybe it's time to sell. But it will definitely make you an expert on your car's value. Carvana Value Tracker. Visit Carvana.com to start tracking your car's value today. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.